The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, on today's program, we've got a whole diverse smorgasbord. There we go. To stick within the cafe theme here of topics. We're going to talk with Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. He's become a regular here on the program. He's going to give us the history of Worcester sauce. Hope I pronounced that right. And uh, how he knows the particulars from beer to sauce coming up here on today's program. Then he gives us a few stories, shares some stories from some recent cleanup jobs in the oil patch and what some of his customers are seeing there. And then we talk a little bit of a long-term pain versus short-term gain. Second half of the program, we talk with Riley Sassy with Red River Company out of Wyoming. Discusses how being disciplined in his business philosophy and company mission allows him to have manageable growth out there in the marketplace today. Great conversation about honest workplace culture, Every now and then, you know what, it's good to have one of those soulful interviews and Riley Sassy with Red River Company a little later on in the program. But first, Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech. All right. Our favorite gentleman from over the pond doing business here in the United States. Of course, I'm not giving away anything. His accent will give that away very quickly. I've had several emails, by the way, from people asking about if you're really from England. Where are you from in England? Uh, a place called Worcester. It's where, the, it's where the sauce is made. Where the source? What's that? What's the source? Well, Worcestershire sauce. Oh, the it's, sauce! Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, that horrible stuff. Well, that that stuff's pretty popular, you know. And you can't have a Bloody Mary without it. Yeah, I, I grew up um, literally about 10 minutes away from the actual manufacturing place. Um, and I smelt that every day for 16 years, and that was enough. I don't think people understand that that's an actual city and that's an actual thing. Like, it's just people think it's just a word or the name of a family, I think. Oh, no, it's, it's actually a city. Um, so Worcester is about 200-ish miles north of London, um, but it's the county seat of Worcestershire. So the source is actually made um, on Wilds Lane in Worcester. Oh, I think this is fantastic. See, this is the kind of experts we bring here on The Crude Life. Not only do we know about, you know, remediation and um, cleanup, but we also know about uh, steak sauce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fact, the, the sauce was actually made as a beer originally. Um, so oh, you're kidding me. Came, that was a beer? Seriously. So how it came about was back when Britain had such a large empire. Um, a British Army officer had contracted uh, Mr. Lee and Mr. Perrins, who were chemists, to formulate a new beer recipe so he could take it to India with him. 
because he wanted to take a British ale with him. Um, it didn't quite work out the way they thought, so they shoved it in the back of a storeroom for about 10 years and totally forgot about it. And then 10 years later, they unearthed it again and were like, oh, I wonder what it can do now. And that's how Liam Perrins were born. There were two very renowned chemists at the time as well. There's some amazing courage in this world because if somebody brought me something that was in a back room for 10 years, I would probably not be the first one to try it. No, but back then I think it was a lot different to what you know what we see now. When it was, you know, it, it, it you know you made something it lasted forever sort of sort of mentality. Um, you know, there was no such thing as refrigeration. So you know what it was was basically a box with ice in, which went and got your ice per day. No, that's a good point because there there was not refrigeration, so there was a lot more preservation in root cellars and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, like when you look at, oh, just I was going to bring up the example of, I think it was five or six years ago, it might have been 10 years ago, but um, they found some honey that was 10,000 years old that was still edible in yeah. one, of, one of the Egyptian, you know, one of the Egyptian um, pyramids and things like that. So it's amazing that, they, you know, they've got natural preservation methods and 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 all that but anyway okay well all right from beer to sauce um let's get down down to texas now and some of your business happenings down there um what's going on in, in your world you guys have been really busy lately yeah so we're starting to pick up a lot more new accounts um you know it seems a lot more people are coming around to our way of thinking uh, and they're also now seeing the benefit of the product uh well the, the flow assurance and also our cleanup products so you know, it's nothing to complain about, just a little less time than we than we used to have, basically. Um, you know, well, it's all good. Well, what are you hearing from some of your customers? I mean, uh, you know, I, I know what I hear about what your products are doing, but, you know, what are you guys hearing? You, I mean, your business is picking up. You guys are, expand, you know, expanding clients in, in terms of yeah. size and everything like that. So this, by the way, for those people who are, um, maybe joining for the first time, I, I take I take for granted, you know, that uh, everybody's listened to our couple interviews before then, but we should remind people that you're in the cleanup business because it organically happened within your company to where your customers came to you and said, can you help us with this? Because this is a problem where other companies are not up to snuff. They're not up to par like you guys are. We should probably remind people about that real quick. So give me a quick, you know, elevator pitch, 30 seconds or 60 seconds of that background about that and then how that brought into your current evolution of business. Okay, so, uh, you know, as, as I've told you countless times before, so we started off in a completely different industry to the oil and gas sector and then we're approached to basically um, develop a new type of um, chemical which is biodegradable and uh, non-toxic and non-flammable uh, from there we obviously you know designed this new product which took a little bit of time to obviously get people to come to our way of thinking um, but then once the merits of the product were seen on its own you know we, we've got youtube videos and everything else um, people were just applying it to other applications because originally we designed it for pipeline remediation um, but they were saying well it was too expensive to use for soil washing you know is there a way we could make a product for that so that's where you see where we got our other products from is we had got customer feedback that they really wanted to use our product but it was just too costly for certain applications so we then went back to the drawing boards you know looked at what we were using within the product look at what we could cut down so to speak 
uh, and then basically produced a whole oil field chemical range off of one main product. Now we've got, I think it's 12 products in the oil and gas industry range. And then from there, you know, we were getting customers saying, well, you know, we've actually been, you know, we've employed a company to do a cleanup who hasn't done it correctly. You know, obviously not only do you, you know, do you also do the cleanups? So we then, then created an environmental services division to basically help our customers out when they, you know, do have a spillage that needs cleaning up. So not only are they getting a world-class product from us, they're also getting a world-class service because, you know, we've brought in a lot of people who have got countless years of experience in the industry um, on all sides, uh, you know, to, to basically enhance our clients' experience when they use our company. Mr. Mark Bullock, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. First full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. I mean, I, I was actually listening to your um, media, um, Multimedia Cafe earlier when you were talking to um, Jack uh, Hamlin from Colorado Energy Strong. Um, you know, I was just listening to obviously, you know, the, this new uh, Senate bill, uh, 181, they've just passed. Um, 
you know, which seems to be like a death nail in the coffin to the oil and gas industry in Colorado. It really seems that way. Um, but then when you look at the reasons behind the, you know, what has led to that, that bill coming about is basically there are companies within the industry who rightly or wrongly have misrepresented what they can do and what their products can do, who have then sold it onto the operators who have, you know, for whatever reasons have sought, you know, we're going to use this company because they've got this product. And then people have, you know, either, you know, they've contaminated the, the, the ground even further from, you know, the use of these products. And it just gave the industry a bad name. Um, so that's where we've come in is what we've got this product, which genuinely is, you know, 100% biodegradable. You know, people are now starting to throw that term around that, you know, our product, our chemical is 100% biodegradable. But then the question is, are they really 100% biodegradable? You know, we've had an instance where um, we asked a company on a public social media forum when they'd posted pictures of their new product and said, okay, it's biodegradable, but what standard did you use? You know, there are obviously various testing standards you have to follow. Um, and to determine the biodegradability of a chemical, there's like 150 different different ways to categorize that. Um, and that company slash person in, in particular, you know, blocked me on the social media platform. It's, um, you know, and then tried to rubbish my name and say, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's on about. Um, you know, and it's like, unfortunately, the oil and gas industry have given a bad name because not necessarily because of the operators or what the operators are doing. It's sometimes down to the fact that uh, service companies are, are genuinely just thinking that, you know, the industry is a cash cow for them. You know, not many companies look at them like that, but some do. Um, and that's where it gives companies like mine the space to maneuver in and say, okay, you've got X product here, which is costing you, I don't know, $75 a gallon. Okay, when you use that product, you know, you can only use it in a 50% uh, concentration is nothing lower so that's basically you're paying $37.50 per gallon end user cost that's without labor costs but it's claiming that it's cleaning your soil up that you've just spilled all this oil over in days um you know then they make false claims about what it can actually do you know i think we've spoke about this before where one company's toting the fact that it you know their product turns crude oil into sand you know th- th- there is nothing on this planet that turns crude oil into sand in that short space of time you know, it's scientifically impossible. Um, where we come along and say, actually, no, our product doesn't do that. What our product does is it encapsulates the oil itself and brings it off the substrate and prevents it from rebinding on the substrate after we've removed it. So we've designed um, not just the chemical, we've also designed a, a, a machine that we can put our chemical, the contaminated soil and oil through, and it separates out into three different ways. You know, so we get clean soil on one side, recycled oil in the other, and then the product in another that we can actually recirculate and reuse. You know, just listening to you talk a little bit, I was thinking of my own memories, of course. And um, one of the reasons why this platform, I believe, works so much within the oil and gas industry, and we've talked about this before, where... um, there's not a lot of chuck and jivers out there. Chuck and jiver is a term that I, I got from 
Oh, back when I was a kid, I'm going to date myself here. There was a show called WKRP in Cincinnati, and it was from the uh, 70s. And I was just a, jeez, I was still not even a teenager in the 70s. I was still under 10 years old. And there was a sales guy by the name of Herb Tarlick, and he had this jacket that was just salesy. And um, that's one of the things I appreciate about what you're trying to do is like you're almost trying to overcorrect from the Herb Tarlicks out there and the Chuck and Drivers is that you understand that the energy industry is a serious business and so much of our lives revolve around it that it almost irritates you to the point to where I, I, you, you want to make a difference because yeah. you, you don't want people to be sucked into it, you know, because, you know, you've got a history with the industry. Your family has yeah. um, some roots in the industry. And so you get that. And to me, that's that's what I like about this, because I do the same thing. I, I like I said, I'm a little a little aware of this to where um, I, I actually wrote down on my bathroom mirror three years ago, three years ago, excuse me with my pronunciation, three years ago when we changed our, our business model to where we went non-political and decided to get more towards, you know, the long format interviews and really reach with people on a new level. Um, short-term gain versus long-term pain. And that that is very well apparent. What we wanted to do is we wanted to come back and be able to say to people, we can look at you in the eyes and, and be perfectly fine with what we're saying. That's what I feel like you're trying to do is like, you're trying to overcorrect. Like, you know, you're not trying to just get a quick buck here. You're trying to say, listen, we want to do business long-term here. Am I off on that or not? No, no. I mean, you are completely spot on. Yeah. We are not in there just to come into the industry for a few years to make a few hundred million and disappear into the night and leave a trail of wreck and ruin. You know, we are there for the long haul where we're saying, right, you know, don't just look at us as another environmental services company. Look at us like a partner where, you know, if you spill crude oil for whatever reason, you know, or you contaminate the ground, you know, you haven't got to worry that it's not going to be cleaned up correctly. You know, you know that you can pick up the phone, give us a call, and we'll have someone on site who will first evaluate the, the spill and the level of contamination and then basically draw up a, a robust an effective action plan to clean that up at the most cost-effective means and then when you do your secondary testing to confirm that everything's cleaned up you haven't got to worry that what we've done is just wash it deeper down into the subsurface we've actually removed that crude oil or the EMP waste from the soil you know I mean we had a I had a phone call the other day from a raw material supplier who said hey hydrogen peroxide is, is the greatest thing ever to clean up crude oil it's, you know, it makes everything biodegradable. And I was like, really? Okay. So talk me through this. How does it make it biodegradable? Oh, well, it disappears within 35 days. I was like, yeah, the hydrogen peroxide does, you know, but not the crude oil. Oh, it does, you know. And it's just one of those things where you sit there and you think, if you sit there and listen to what you're talking about, you'll actually realize how stupid you really sound. You know, people, they... Unfortunately, operators get sucked into it because, you know, Colorado is a prime example. You know, they've brought out these new laws to protect, I, I think their wording is to protect the health, safety, um, welfare, the environment and the wildlife resources of Colorado, which, yes, you know, agreeable, it needs to happen, but it needs to happen in moderation, you know, not out and out banning the whole industry from the state, you know, just 
saying, right, you know, you've got to be a bit more responsible in who you employ to clean up that mess or who you employ to design that pipeline or whatever, you know? And that's what where we come in is we're like, you know, we're not just here for five minutes. We are here for the long haul, the whole duration, and we have nothing to hide. Who's your customer these days? Um, I like to ask people that, you know, because the oil industry is pretty diverse, but at the same time, it's extremely specific. So um, for those people that, you know, might be listening to this interview and like what you are, are talking about, but um, not sure how they can help, maybe they might know somebody or maybe they are somebody. Uh, who's your direct customer? So our, our, our original market focus was on operators, you know, sell our product direct to operators like every other chemical company in the, in the industry. And that was Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All those links can be available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. So here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies thank you folks for pulling up a stool joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about well coming up next we talk with riley sassy with red river company riley sassy with river Red River, is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Red River, what is it? Now, I actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Red River, I used to live, um, it was in my backyard. And it was the Red River of the North, not the Red River down in Texas, but the Red River in North Dakota. But you're talking about the Red River in um, Wyoming here. So um, just a little, little bit of history of the name, if you wouldn't mind. Well, to tell you the truth, there's nothing cool about the name. Yeah, we were just having a family argument, and we wanted it to be something simple, and we're like, well, Red River. Yeah, let's do Red River. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I, I think it's genius because not only do you catch the attention of people in North Dakota, but you catch the attention of people in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that by design, or was that just basically just the, the, one of the nice offshoots that organically came from the name? 
Yeah, I, I would say that it was luck of the draw because, you know, there's 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 pros and cons to all those things. You know, we do catch the attention, like you said, but then the other thing is, is there's a billion Red Rivers online. So when you Google it, it's actually kind of hard to find us. So we've had to really work on our keywords, you know, so our name comes up. I get that. So talk to me about those keywords. What are some of the, the things, bullet points that you want people to know about Red River? And then, you know, of course, transition that into what the services are you offer. So the biggest thing is, and it sounds cliche, but we, we like to say that we care more. And so uh, a lot of what I tell people is that we don't, you know, we don't just bid every single RFP that comes through our office, you know, we, but we're focused on a few larger clients so we can really get in their head and understand their business and uh, bring true value, you know. It's hard to bring value to a thousand people because you got to understand them all, right? And so... Uh, that's been our that's been our strategy is to serve a few larger clients and serve most multiple areas of their business so we can really get in their heads so yeah talk to me about um, that value a little bit you know i mean it's um you're finding success in you know we used to call it the you know velvet glove the white glove treatment to where less client was it jerry Maguire even i think he had a whole movie based on that you know less clients uh, more attention towards the clients, and then he got fired for that. So you're kind of going against the grain here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not that we're going to turn people down, you know, but we're going to take a really hard look at whether we can bring value. And we, when we meet with a new company to see if, you know, we're going to do some work for them or whatever, we before we even approach and we look at their core values, we look at who they are, we meet some of their people and try to get to know them a little bit and make sure that there's actual chemistry. Because, it, I mean, I've, I view it no different than um, if I'm just going to go work, you know, get a nine-to-five job. And i got to like my boss. i got to like who I work for. i got to make sure I have the same core values and I'm going to fit in that company. And so we take a hard look at all that because that's key to make sure that we can make them happy, you know. I know. I and, get it. I mean, it's, it's refreshing, actually, to hear that, that type of um, – business ethics and value system still is out there today. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we live in an instant oatmeal society where 20% profit isn't even good anymore. It's got to be 120% profit. And that, you know, was a change that happened in the last 10 years very quickly. And so people have become very cutthroat in business. People have become, uh, I like to call them chuck and jivers. It's a term from you know, the old 70s WKRP in Cincinnati, there was a, and this is when I was a real little kid. I mean, I'm surprised they even remember it, but there was a salesman, Herb Tarlick, who had like just outrageous sports coats, and he was kind of a chuck and jiver type thing. And um, we were talking a little bit about this before, about how, you know, the industry does a really good job of weeding it out. And I like what you're doing on the upfront side because really what you're talking about is more of a communication and a coexistence of personalities. Are they going to mesh? Because you know as well as I do that if they don't, you might have a six-month to a year business relationship, but it's probably going to end sour. Do you know what I mean by that? Right, right, exactly. We try to exercise the foresight a little bit, you know? And yeah. It's, it's, it's really worked well in the long run. I mean, because the thing is, is you got human nature involved, and that's what's 
that's what you know a lot of these issues we, we, we like to say that 90 percent of issues in business come down to people and people are almost always the solve for any issue but what i'm getting at is that you have human nature involved and if, if people don't like each other and they're forced to pretend like they like each other all the time it's not going to be as productive and valuable as if they actually do like each other i mean it sounds sounds kind of simplistic but it's a big deal i think I mean, I gotta like who I'm working with and enjoy their company and work, you know, at least be on the same same uh, playing field, you know. No, I get that, and you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's hard for some people to conceptualize that or visualize that, probably because they've never taken the walk before. But um, when what you're talking about is not easy, it's not easy because there's there's tough decisions. There's sometimes uh, group votes that might not go in the in, in the way that you want and uh what are some of the challenges i guess that that, that you've had with this w- with this mission and core that you guys have you know making sure that every every deal that you go you do is, is a right fit because like you said this is not an arrogance thing this is just trying to have a foresight for both sides thing right exactly well you know there's always the deals where, you know, sometimes you have a deal that doesn't go how you want. You end up losing money on it or, you know, you don't make as good a profit as you hoped and whatnot. But we got to look at that as like we're looking, we're playing the long game here, you know. Um, sometimes we miscalculate and we, we got to we gotta suck it up and, and keep rolling for the customer, you know. I'd say, I, I suppose that's probably one of the challenges. Um, the other, obviously, the other challenges that come with it internally and externally is that it does narrow the playing field of who you're going to play with. And so, and I, I, uh, it makes our sales cycle really long. So if we take on a new client, uh, we do quite a bit of research on who we're actually going to target. And then, you know, it takes a while to get them on board and we try to understand um, here's another little challenge that just popped in my head too that comes up is that we we try to um, tailor our uh, whatever you want to call it their, our standard operating procedures to fit theirs as well to an extent right I mean you can't you can't tailor your business to be the same as everybody else's but we try to understand their operating procedures internally so that our our processes at least mesh and like we don't want to make their life harder um, and make more work for them internally and so we spend a little time there and uh, understand how they like to see things even paperwork wise you know maybe it's formatting um, the, the quality control books that come with our products you know um, but it, so it can create a little more work but we think it pays in the long run uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm kind of switching subjects. If you had a question, I was going to just talk about the getting employees. But sure, yeah, no, I was going to ask you where you're based out of, and and yeah, I'll tell you what. Why don't you start with where you're based out of and kind of your service range, and then you can transition that into employees. You bet. So we're headquartered in Gillette, Wyoming, and we have a shop in uh, North Dakota and Williston as well. Um, right now, we're kind of spread out in Gillette. We've got four different shops and we're working on moving into a bigger one where we can put everything together um our basic model is fab and ship and 
we back it up with a guarantee that anything we fab that doesn't fit, it will get fixed for free, and it'll get fixed yesterday. So, Mr. Riley Sassy, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Riley Sassy with Red River Company. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. So here's to the picture that holds us laughing. And here's to the sound of one hand clapping. And here's to not letting this moment pass. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Riley Sassy with Red River Company. Our basic model is fab and ship, and we back it up with a guarantee that anything we fab that doesn't fit, it will get fixed for free, and it'll get fixed yesterday. So... And that's to combat the naysayers on prefab. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we ship stuff all over the place. I mean, we, you know, we're shipping skids to um, Colorado, North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. We've done work in South Dakota. Uh, we've shipped uh, product to uh, Washington State, even um, different places all around. So yeah. How was that it's shipping kind of to Washington? How was that shipping to Washington State? Was there any issues with that? I know they've got some um, accelerated regulations on things. Yeah, they do. They got insane regulations. <laughs> insane or accelerated? They both work. <laughs> yep. Um, it depends on what it is. I mean, our product was small enough. We, you know, it didn't, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, if you get into overweight and overwith and stuff like that in Washington, they're obviously a little tougher to deal with. So ours okay. was more of a specialty technical fabrication for a hydroelectric plant they were putting together. Okay, I see. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, who your customer is, uh, what type of products you've made for customers, et cetera, like that. So we're a skid shop, design-build skid shop, and we work for uh, what we'd like to describe as the larger forward-thinking oil companies so we try to we try to stay away from the accentuated um, this is how we've always done it type people uh, and and 
try to work with the larger outfits that are open-minded to new ideas and things like that because that's kind of our you know we're a bunch of young guys and we, we like a challenge and so and we hate the status quo so everything that we do we're always looking at it to see if there's a better way or a more efficient or more valuable or that's, that's part of the fun you know so I like um, that. Um, we at the crude life, we are very much on the same page of that, and sometimes we find that that scares people, and um, and I I don't, I don't know if it turns them off, but I've been told you know sometimes it comes across as a little aggressive. It comes across as not cocky, but it comes you know it just scares people because, like I said, I don't think they've walked that walk of just you know having a progressive mind and and having an open mind doesn't mean you're gonna land on that it doesn't mean you're gonna you know decide that's the way to go but to even have that open mind um right. have, you, have you have you find that, that that's some companies are a little bit intimidated or a little bit afraid or a little bit standoffish by that mindset uh well it's 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 uh not easy to answer without stereotyping but we've found that <laughs> it's typically that it's typically the smaller outfits that um well, yeah, I'll just stop there. We've we've been very we've been very impressed with some of the larger businesses. That surprises and, me, actually. I would have thought it'd be the flip. Yeah, they just they have a lot of younger talent moving in. I see. With a lot that's, of ideas, and they're that's what yeah, it is. They're, just, they're open to stuff. And the other thing is, is that if we first get them to understand that we're not just chucking ideas at them, and then they're going to be on their own. That's you know that's one thing. But if they can understand that we're going to be there with them and like when that they install that skid five years from now if they call us we're going to be here and we're going to pull up the old prints and we're going to understand it and help solve the issue you know what i mean so it's not like you know we're here gone today gone tomorrow type of thing and that when they see that that helps as well you know because we're our goal is the same as theirs is that we want we want um uptime on the equipment and so because obviously we're in the same boat there is that if, if we have if we sell them a piece of equipment and they don't have uptime, um, that means we're going to be out there as well. So we want it to work. Riley Sassy on the line with us with Red River. Uh, you guys have a website? Yes, sir. It's uh, redriver.team. Redriver.team, huh? Yeah. You know, dot coms are getting more and more rare. I know. I mean, I, I joked to someone the other day. I said, the somebody asked me about a website name, and, and it had, a I think, a hyphen in it or something like that. And I said, I would much rather do a sentence than a hyphen, meaning like, you know, this is my website. This was the only thing left.com, you know, type of a thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> they are all taken. Just, yeah, a hyphen just kind of says that. Like, if you see a hyphen, you just automatically think that they couldn't find anything. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's tough because how do you, how do you tell somebody, you know, verbalize when you got to say hyphen? It just, it's such a break in the thought yeah. process and everything. So, you know, and people in marketing know what I'm talking about. People who have hyphens in their website are probably small business owners and, and they're like saying, oh, it works fine. And it does, it, it works fine. You know, it's on a website and people will type it in, but it's just an extra step. That's all. So dot team. I've never even heard of dot team. I've heard of dot us. I've heard of dot ca dot gov. How uh, t dot team? That's an interesting um, t 
Ta- well, I don't yeah, know I dot mean, dot you know, whatever they're called suffix. We could have got a we could have got a dot com, but you know it was um, it was back when the dot coms were already starting to get used up, and we could have got it. But I just thought, well, why fight it? Why not let's get something memorable, something that's a little more modern than that, you know? So um, I thought, what if there's a dot team? And sure enough, it was there, and so we went with that. And it's um, yeah, it's easy to remember. So it is. Um, I. I remembered it, and it's uh, it's different. It's 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 progressive. It's exactly what it is. It's it's um, I think it's very intuitive the way things are going. I was just having a conversation about how uh, there's such a push for teams these days that it's it, even in schools you don't sit in an individual desk anymore. You sit in tables with teams of people, and um, right. So it's it's the way of the future, man. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your aspirations. Are you guys, um, you know, the Rocky Mountain region, it sounds like that's what you're servicing right now. Are you looking, you know, you said Washington, but are you looking at some of the other shale plays like down in Texas or Oklahoma or anything? You know, not yet. Uh, we are uh, fairly aspirational, so I guess it could change pretty easy. But right now we're just focused on the Bakken and Powder River and the DJ. And so, um, but we've got a lot of growing to do, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We we want to grow um, in terms of technology as well. So, you know, we're looking at robotics and things like that, and we think that um, we don't want to get geographical growth in, in front of expertise. And so right now, you know, we grew a lot in the first five years. We doubled our revenue almost every year, and then we decided that we're going to focus on internal growth for a little while here and throughput. And then uh, we'll see what the next chapter brings, you know. What can you talk so, to me about the robotics part? Is that, um, I mean, it sounds like it's in a, a discussion phase, or is there something that's even, do you got something in the shop already? Or talk to me a little bit about robotics. Nothing in the shop yet. We're still trying to decide which product to go with, but basically it's it just comes down to com- competitiveness, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, all, you know, these big companies, the big outfits um, are uh, going to fab on all their facility builds. And that was Riley Sassy with Red River Company. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Mr. Riley Sassy and Mark Bullock for coming on today's program, being part of today's program here at the Multimedia Cafe We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. Of course, if you're tuning in online or maybe you're downloading one of our podcasts available in many podcast locations like iTunes and iHeartRadio, thank you very much. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. 
the model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 